Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. My name is Mike Salamanov, and I'm the co-owner and chef of Zahab Restaurant. And Steve and I, Stephen Cook, my partner and I, wrote Israeli Soul, our new cookbook. First off, congratulations. Israeli Soul was named one of the best cookbooks for fall 2018 by New York Times Cooking. So when you were researching this cookbook, did you really have 82 meals in eight days? A lot of bites, a lot of inspiration. But I mean, I think that that's kind of how it goes when you're over there. I, Whenever I travel to Israel, that's usually what it is. It's like my day is sort of dictated by the places I go and eat, you know? How was that organized? Did you think about it when you got up that morning or did you just get up and start walking? Um, well, like on the way over there, because we were bringing, um, you know, photographer, producer, so on and so forth, we had to be a little bit more diligent about it. But a lot of it was like, we have to go to these few places. We have to go these, to these few cities and let's sort of, um, you know, plan the rest of the trip around using those as, those sort of guidelines as like the parameters for the entire trip. As someone who basically grew up in Pittsburgh, describe exploring Israel through the lens of a chef. Well, I think that that was sort of the, the seed or the catalyst for opening Zahav or getting into Israeli, uh, into Israeli food or Israeli culture by sort of food proxy. And I think that when you, you know, there's something familiar enough about Israel uh, and it obviously over the years it became deeply personal, but going over there and experiencing what dining is, is fascinating. And at the time that the hub sort of came to fruition, it was really unlike anything that was happening here. And it was so many different cultures, so many different kinds of food represented on one table. Um, and I mean like figuratively, but also literally on one table, you know, through the lens of a diner, through the lens of uh, like a partially American or, um, uh, you know, America or your classically trained chef was fascinating and life changing. And I thought that the more of that spirit or that soul that we could bring back to the States, to Philly, to sort of our, our community, the more excited people would get. I just want to thank you for adding in substitution ideas in the cookbook. So often I get bummed because it's hard to find a random spice or ingredient and then I give up. So this was great. I appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of what makes it accessible, you know? One thing that surprised me about your Goldie falafel recipe was it called for a carrot. Is carrot usually in falafel? Uh, I don't think so. Because I've never detected <laughs> carrots. What does the carrot do for uh, the Goldie falafel? Well, carrot is like sweet. Carrot is also bright. And, and you know, carrot has carotene. And like, so it's got turmeric notes to it as well. So it goes really well with things like turmeric. It's delicious. It's really sweet. Um, and it's adding, it's adding like a vegetable to tenderize the dried chickpeas. What, in your opinion, is the most important Israeli dish? Most important Israeli dish would probably be sabich, fried eggplant uh, with tahina, hard-boiled eggs, amba, and usually like, you know, cabbage, sort of uh, cabbage, cucumber, tomato, or some sort of variation on those sort of fresh chopped salads inside of a pita. And what's amba? 
Amba is a mango pickle that is related to sort of the Indian uh, mango pickle. And it's mango, underripe mangoes, fenugreek, sometimes mustard, garlic, that, and it's sort of cured, fermented, and turned into a paste. Talk to me about Drew's Mountain Bread. Now, this is a very flat bread, but is it crunchy or more soft like a pita? It's more soft like a pita. When it comes directly off the massage or the wok, in our case, it's a little bit crunchy, but as it sits, it softens. And you can use it to wrap things. It makes like incredible wraps or sort of like the soft tortilla shell. Um, but it also uh, is perfect for like laying down on tables and scooping up food. So now on to hummus. It's interesting that uh, I read in the book that Israelis don't make it at home often. How come? Well, I mean, I think there's just so many different places in Israel that you can procure hummus. Uh, you know, people do make hummus at home, but it's like, there's just so many good places. And it requires like tons of chickpeas, sometimes equipment, you know? You have so many hummus toppings. What is your favorite way out of the cookbook to top hummus? Uh, you know, I'm sort of into the Brussels sprout thing right now for the hummus, but there's, a, you know, to me, hot chickpeas with a little bit of loose tahina inside of the hummus tahina is kind of the best way to eat it. Why is store-bought hummus so different from homemade hummus? It doesn't even taste the same. I think that, like, the store-bought hummus usually has, like, preservatives, like citric acid, which affect the flavor uh, negatively. I mean, we like to serve hummus, like, fresh, warm, very, you know, a little bit of lemon, but not, um, it doesn't taste like pickled or preserved, you know? And I think that when you have to, there's things like fermentation, uh, that sort of like growth of like acrid garlic flavor that you have to fight against when you're preserving or doing things store-bought. So, so far nobody's quite figured it out. Yet. You're right. It does taste acrid. I've scrutinized a lot of hummus in my day. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Now, half of your family is from Bulgaria. Do you incorporate any of that cuisine into this cookbook? Uh, well, Bulgaria and, you know, Ottoman or Balkan, Balkan cuisine conquered by the Ottomans is a really big thing. So, yeah, in many iterations, it comes across like Bulgarian kebabs and the borekas. Um, yeah, those things are, are very, very important to us. And those have Balkan and Bulgarian origins. I know with Zahav and Federal Donuts cookbooks, you thought the digital cookbook could be the thing. Talk about your views on the physical versus digital cookbook. You know, I think that holding something in your hands and feeling it and appreciating the luster of the pages and specifically Israeli soul, I think the photography really just pops. It feels like three-dimensional, sort of real. Uh, You want to like scoop the food out with your hands, you know? Yeah, this cookbook is so stunning. You could just sit it out as a coffee table book. That, too. I mean, I think at minimum, right? What did Gil Marks and Joe Nathan teach you? I mean, that's a hard thing to say. Joe Nathan continues to teach me um, on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, I would say she is the leading expert in Jewish food and in more of like an anthropological way or a sort of commentary on culture. And she is a walking encyclopedia. And her spirit is is about inquiring and about taking things apart and about celebrating stories and culture and family and recipes and food. Uh, Gil Marks, uh, you know, was an incredible author and obviously well, well researched. And uh, his uh, books, especially the Encyclopedia of Jewish Cooking, um, 
was had a huge impact on our lives. Owning a restaurant group is impossible to navigate by yourself. And Steve Cook is your longtime business partner. In terms of writing yes. cookbooks, do your roles break down the same uh, way as they do for your hospitality group? I, I do. I mean, I think that we've got, you know, we've worked having a healthy partnership and friendship and uh, sort of familial relationship and also maintaining sanity while growing, you know, a restaurant group from like seven employees to like over 200 over the course of a decade is not the easiest thing. Yeah, I'm not sure it sort of changes every day. I think, of the, you know, adapting, becoming resourceful and sort of balancing the needs of our our team and the needs of our uh, our guests, sort of like juggling act that we do all the time, you know? I was so bummed to see that Diesengolf closed at Chelsea Market, which is up the street from me. Are you going to open up another one in the city or no? Um, I don't, I don't know. As of right now, we've got so much going on with, um, like Philly. We've got some, you know, with the book coming out, we've got a couple new projects that we are working on. And I think that as of right now, we're kind of hanging out in Philly. Okay. Well, we'll have to come to you. You know, it's an hour and 20 minutes by train. So, um, the other night I made your recipes for five minute hummus, chopped salad, lamb meatballs, and chicken thigh shawarma. Um, I made the two wow. spice mixes, which I think they were key. Talk a little bit about the spice mix section in this cookbook. Well, again, we wanted to make this really accessible and really easy for people. And um, I think that that, I think you missed the fun and, and showing people that it is literally as simple as mixing a few spices and applying them to certain uh, ingredients. And then a very simple cooking technique creates something sort of ethereal and something that represents this magic of the sum of all parts. Uh, and I think that with cooking, people get scared, certainly with spices or with a cuisine that isn't like Italian or American Italian, they get freaked out. So, you know, our job, our livelihood is really based on on that of demystifying and sort of celebrating and, and guiding people very gently through what it takes to make, you know, dishes pop and sing. Now to my segment called My Last Meal. If you had to place an order for your last supper, what would it be? I think that it would be dim sum. Oh, so what kind of dim sum? Mm, so there used to be a restaurant in Philly called Lakeside Chinese Deli that, most, that made the most incredible taro rolls. And I would eat like 10 of them, you know. But um, I think when I'm not like cooking Israeli food, I eat a ton of Asian food. And I don't really cook any Asian food whatsoever, so... Where can we find you on social media, the web, and in Philly? Well, in Philly, you can catch me at the hall. Social media, you can catch me on Instagram at Mike Solomonov. And your website? ZahaRestaurant.com. I love how you said this cookbook is full of recipes that you can make in your house or apartment with screaming children in not a lot of time. I cannot thank you enough for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited that you have the book and I'm excited to be on your podcast and I'm very excited for you to come down to Philly and visit. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts and while you're there, please take a moment to rate and review Cookery by the Book. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase and download your kitchen mixtapes music to cook by on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. Thanks for listening.